Welcome to City Daily, a Lent podcast of City Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. My name is Jim, and I'm going to talk to you today about mammon, money, and generosity, giving. In Matthew chapter 6, we find Jesus on a mountain like a new Moses, giving the people a new Torah. Jesus is teaching a series of Beatitudes, and he calls his disciples to be salt and light and communicates clearly to you and I what matters above everything else in this life is his kingdom, the kingdom of God. Matthew 6 tells us, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Mammon is one of the central issues of following Jesus. It's a central issue of being a disciple of Jesus. If you haven't figured this out by now, Jesus is incredibly difficult. Jesus never says anything in the Gospels that people understand, and the moment they did understand, they wanted to kill him. Have you ever thought about what has shaped your idea of money? Where did those thoughts come from? Where did they originate? Who gave you what you believe about money? I have lots of friends. Some of them are rich, some of them are poor. Some of my rich friends are greedy, covetous, some of the most unholy people that I know. But some of my rich friends are the most godly, generous, holy people I know. I have poor friends that are greedy, covetous, some of the most unholy people that I know. And I have poor friends that are some of the most godly, generous, holy people that I know. What is mammon? Where did it come from? Why is it so deadly? Why do the people of God resist it? Peter Kreeft says this about mammon. Mammon is the inordinate desire to possess wealth, goods, or objects of abstract value with the intention to keep it for oneself, far beyond the dictates of basic survival and comfort. Jesus puts mammon as the primary competitor for the people of God. Mammon sets itself up as God and promises to meet all your needs. Douglas Jones says this, you cannot serve both God and mammon. Jesus didn't deny that money was a God. The God even has a name, mammon. Jesus affirmed mammon as the sole serious competitor to the Trinity. Typical Christians tend to shrink mammon into one of many small idols. For Jesus, Mammon wasn't one idol among many equals. He singled it out as the direct competitor to God. He never contrasted the idols of sexuality or knowledge of the earth in such stark opposition to God. Jesus never said you can't serve sexuality in God or knowledge in God, though these were idols too. This is the tension that you and I are going to have to wrestle with for the rest of our lives here on earth. The culture of trying to serve both will distort and disorder your heart. You will love one and hate the other. Mammon is the plan of the enemy 
to get you to trust in something other than God. The roots of mammon are found in the garden. Genesis 1, we find Adam and Eve. They controlled the world. They were God's image bearers, the imago Dei of God. They were crowned with glory and splendor, the jewel of all creation, the steward of all creation. And Satan comes along and says to them, God's holding out on you. Don't trust God. You can get it yourself. If you take what I'm offering you, you can become like God. And if you become like God, you won't need God. It was the chief lie. Wealth begins to preach to the heart. The message of wealth says, you don't need God. You've done this yourself. You're a master of the universe. Many people have experienced the intoxicating pull of financial success. It comes with status, power, and luxury. And something in your heart says, I am special. I deserve to be treated differently. So how do we resist mammon? The first thing is gratitude. We have to cultivate this deep sense of gratitude. A few weeks ago, I was driving into my neighborhood and I was just overcome with gratitude for my family. All that God has done in my life, all of it, the valleys, the mountaintops, the deep brokenness, growing up through the Department of Human Services, never knowing my biological father, going through divorce, going through financial stress and brokenness, the most joy-filled moments of my life. I, I was so grateful for every one of the moments. Hebrews tells us to keep our lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. So you and I can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The spirit of mammon says, there's more apart from God than with God. I want you to imagine for a second that you were left an unbelievable inheritance from your uncle. And all you had to do is show up for the reading of the will. But instead, you didn't show up because you were too busy and you have other priorities going on in your life. This is what most of us do with our spiritual inheritance. We have to cultivate gratitude in our hearts. We have to remind ourselves who we are in Christ. The second part of resisting mammon is generosity. First Timothy tells us to command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. I love what Kent Hughes said. He said, every time I give, I declare that money does not control me. This is why we recite our giving liturgy every week at City Church. It's a pushback to mammon and the things that draw our hearts away from God. Jesus people show extravagant generosity toward others. One of our family values that sets above our fireplace where my boys and our family and, and really everyone that comes into our home can see every time they enter is this, is we want to be people of extravagant generosity. 
it's not something that we've arrived to yet, but it's something that we're working towards, we're moving towards every single day. We desire to be generous people, and not just generous people, but extravagant in our generosity. We must live in the kingdom of God in such a way that provokes questions for which the gospel is the answer. The way of Jesus and the kingdom of God must be so distinct that others ask the question, why are you living like that? Why did you do that? And this gives us this beautiful opportunity to talk about the good news of Jesus. The third way to resist mammon is this, is secret giving. The best gift is when nothing is given and nothing is received and nobody knows who did it. How do we break the cycle of giver, gift, and recipient? That tends to create a power cycle or this cycle of obligation. You remove the knowledge of the giver. When you're on the receiving end of secret generosity, it's so frustrating, yet it's so amazing. Today, I'm going to end my time with you by sharing our giving liturgy with you. Heavenly Father, I humbly submit my life and finances to you. There is nothing that I have that you have not given me. I pray for the grip of money to be loosened, for greed plunges my human heart into ruin. I choose not to store up treasures on earth or chase after worldly things, but instead choose the difficult path of stewardship, simplicity, and gratitude. Open my eyes to opportunities for charity so there will be no needy persons among us for your glory, for the abundance of my own life, and for the sake of others. Amen.